Would you stand and would you welcome Brother Gannon today? John, would you come in the name of Jesus? Preach the word without fear of faith. figure this out. <laughs> Amen. Well, uh, Pastor and Sister Calhoun, thank you so much. I hope our being here is as much of a blessing to you as it, as it is to us. Um, Carla, my dear sister, where is she? Pioneer in the faith. It was she that explained this way more perfectly unto us. appreciate that so much. Uh, a week before I went in the Air Force, she sat down with me and explained some scriptures I never knew existed in the Bible. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You can read things and not understand them. You can be a Bible scholar and not understand some of the things God wants you to know, as was the case with Nicodemus. Just didn't know a few things. And there has to be someone in your life that explains it more perfectly to you, and there has to be someone that you can explain it to more perfectly or completely. We always don't know the complete story. So you never know who God has put in your lives for you to explain the way more perfectly to them. Amen. Mike Budney, I think I see you out there. God bless you. <laughs> Amen. I'm not going to tell you. God knows what he did for us. It was just wonderful. So such a blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, I, I would love to have my wife, Marta, come and, and greet you, but she said just to acknowledge her, if that's okay. Amen. You know, as soon as, well, I'll say that in a little bit, but it's great to have her with me, and uh, I'm glad I could be with you. <laughs> in our journeys, we, you know, doesn't the Bible say somewhere, good news from a far country? It's like a cold drink of water. I'm really, really twisting that scripture, but something to that effect. Uh, we arrived in uh, uh, early September to the country of Turkey with the plans of going 10 months to a year. Uh, so technically, we're still associate missionaries. Um, maybe long story short, if, if you don't know, my wife and I are, are missionaries to the country of Turkey. Now, we're back now, and I'll tell you why we're back. We applied for a year visa, and the application that we applied for was rejected, uh, as is happening with a lot of the missionaries over there. Uh, they're rejecting their tourist visas, um, whatever reason they come up with, <laughs> to say, Americans, go, go home. You can come for three months, but you can't stay for longer. So it's getting very difficult. And I knew the window of opportunity was closing with the country of Turkey uh, as far as just ease of getting in there and staying there for a year, but I didn't know when that window was closing. It's, I think I heard it slam. But where God closes a window, he opens a door. Or where God closes a door, he opens a window. Somehow, some way, amen, we can reach them with the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, the application was rejected. We returned to the States in late January. We've been here for a month. And we can't, even if we wanted to go back, which we don't totally, we think we have made a decision, but we don't know. God might have other plans for us. So pray with us as we are exploring God's will. Amen. So I want to tell you a little bit about Turkey first. I, I did a terrible thing. I didn't have a flash drive, and I had to email some pictures to the tech staff back there. That's not good to do. I I can tell you right now, I, I'm not professional in all those things. I, I need help. I need a lot of help. But, <laughs> but if the pictures come up today, I can speak off of the pictures. Uh, I want to tell you that Turkey is a, now they want us to pronounce it now, Turkey. Turkey. So they're, they're an important enough country so that they say, well, we want America and the rest of the world to call us by the name we call ourselves. Okay, um, and, and they're, they're feeling powerful in the world right now. So there's a, there's, I actually took that picture, uh, and it just presented itself, and I 
I panned in. It's, it's, it's in a very, very busy part of, whoever, who has ever been to Istanbul, Turkey? Has anybody here ever been to Istanbul? Yes, my sister Carla has been. She knows the, she knows the, uh, the protocol there. Very, very busy city. Very, very crowded. Very stressful. Uh, and, and my wife, I loved it, you know, but my wife doesn't like the crowd. She likes the country. She likes, she likes America. And I love America too. There's, there's, no, there's a lot of reasons why it's the greatest country in the world. And so I thank my wife for enduring five months with me. And who knows what God has for us next. But it's an extremely historic country. For Christians, the seven churches of Asia Minor in the book of Revelation are located there. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I won't give you the Turkish pronunciations for those names. Uh, Ephesus and Laodicea are probably the most popular places to visit. They have the most, uh, 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 you know, worked up uh, ruins, a um, uh, lot of great things to see, a lot of history. Uh, the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, Barnabas and Saul taught the people in the city of Antioch. It's just north of Israel, you know, the bend of the Mediterranean. It's uh, like this, uh, you know, uh, Israel's here, so Antioch is right up here. It's the uh, uh, Turkish city of Antakya. Uh, these disciples were first called Christians in Antakya. Uh, the major earthquakes over a year ago uh, literally shook this city down to its foundations. Many, many of the buildings were destroyed, and the, the city really still lies in destruction. It's thousands of people still living in tents. It's, it's going to take years and years to build that city back up. Of course, modern-day Turkey and New Testament times were the regions called, you'll, you'll know some of this from reading in the book of Acts, in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Cilicia, Pamphylia, Lycia, Phrygia, Lydia, Pisidia, Bithynia, Galatia, Cappadocia. And these are all places you can actually visit today if you so desire. Paul's missionary journeys took place there. Um, but now the region is all Islamic. The Muslim faith dominates the country of Turkey, I'll just call it Turkey. It's better. We all understand Turkey. And it goes in with a joke I want to tell about Turkey. <laughs> it's all Islamic. See these minarets right here? When my wife and I came into Milwaukee, you see all those beautiful church spires, steeples, all across the landscape? It's beautiful, isn't it? That's, that's what Turkey is. You see these minarets all over the place. But... As we see in America, a lot of those church steeples are void of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God doesn't live within those walls. So in the country of Turkey, the Spirit of God, although God is called upon by the name of Allah, the Spirit of God does not dwell in those places. He longs to dwell in the hearts of the people that attend those places. But they're, they're, they're hopeless. It's a religion of, of, uh, of, of, they say of peace, but it really isn't. It's a hopeless religion. Uh, let's throw up, there's a picture of, okay, Istanbul. Uh, let's uh, talk about, uh, okay, uh, I, I have, I have a uh, request. Is it possible to cut the audio in the live stream? Do we do live stream this? Is it Facebook? Okay. Um, I'll tell you what, I won't say any names. I won't say any names. We'll just see pictures. So let's, let's just do that. Okay, I won't say any names. Just throw any old picture up there. We'll speak from it. Okay. Uh, the young lady in the middle uh, was baptized near Laodicea. Okay. And uh, uh, wonderful people there. Uh, very, very diligent in serving the Lord. And uh, we were blessed to, to baptize the young lady in the middle there. Next, we can go to another picture. We might even show that baptism. Okay. Let's go to this. The, the man being prayed for, uh, he, he's, he's quite instrumental in our work among the Persian people. They speak of the language called Farsi. These are the people of Iran. Uh, he was prayed for. He has a, at, at this time, I'm not sure exactly how God did it, but he had a cyst growing in his nasal cavity. And it was, it was large enough, we, we need to go in and operate, the doctor said. But this is the actual prayer, uh, uh, Good friend in the blue suit there, he was praying uh, for our good friend, and uh, 
and the guy on the right was praying, and I began to pray, and, and our, our friend, was he was so visibly moved by the prayer, he was just sweating and shaking, that I thought, in my mind, God did something. God has done something. I didn't want to say it out loud, didn't want to jinx it. I felt like God, you know, that's, for me, that's the way faith operates. I just feel like something's happening, or has happened, and uh, let's put another picture up. It's a picture of him in a hat. Okay, yeah, right there. I love this guy. He knows Farsi. He knows English. He knows Turkish. Very, very intelligent man. So the next, after our service on a particular night, we, we drove him to the hospital that he was going to get this surgery. And uh, we dropped him off, and I just felt like something's going to happen. And so we, we drove off three and a half hours to our next service. And I know I'm trying to fit a lot in here, but I was going to say in the car, we're going to get a text. We're going to get a text and, and God's going to do something. And I just forgot about it, honestly. And we got a text. And our friend said, well, they went in to operate and they cut me open but could not find any cyst. So that's a notable miracle. That's not incredible. That's credible. And he had a chance to witness to the two doctors that worked on him. So the cyst was there maybe just a couple weeks prior, and now it's not. I don't know. You explain that to me. But I said, what do you call it? He said, well, that's, that's a miracle. So let's go to the next uh, picture. Uh, this woman uh, was baptized uh, in a city just south of Istanbul. She's the mother, and then her daughter was baptized. But I asked her to plug her nose, or well, translated, okay, plug your nose, and then they speak in Farsi. And I noticed that she's only got a thumb and two fingers on the, on the right hand. I felt a little awkward. It's like, oh, okay, maybe you can plug it with your pinky and your thumb. <laughs> Baptize her. And another picture, we baptized her 16-year-old daughter. Right there. They're still serving the Lord. Amen. Hey, you, you can be in another country that you don't call your own and still serve Jesus. Amen. So God is doing a great work in their lives. Amen. And so let's, maybe let's go to another picture. Oh, yeah. This young lady was, was baptized near Laodicea. And uh, the man on the right uh, this is a thermal spring. So if you ever go over to that area, Laodicea and Hierapolis, there are a lot of these thermal springs. And he was at this point probably getting, I'm not a nurse, heat exhaustion, heat stroke, which is worse? Heat stroke is worse? I think, yeah, he was probably getting heat exhaustion because he, he said, Pastor John, I am so warm. I said, dude, it's like 115 degrees in this water. <laughs> we got to stop praying and get out of here. So we, so she rejoiced because she was baptized, and I tended to my friend for the next hour <laughs> as he recovered from the baptism. Amen. So but what a place to get baptized. Amen. So this is the city in the Bible that they call about lukewarmness. Amen. These hot thermal springs are all over the place. So we had some fantastic times in the country of Turkey, and God blessed in many ways. These people have fled their country. I'm talking about the, the Iranians that are there. They flee their country for political or religious persecution, but they have found a home. Is it difficult? Yes. Many of them deal with visa issues all the time. They deal with court issues. It's hard to work with the Turkish government. And uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's doable. They're doing a good job, so keep praying for them. Uh, it's Still a blessing to be part of them. We continue to participate through these Zoom sessions. Thank God for Zoom. I mean, you're able to, to, to have meetings and, and help people and disciple people. Amen. So a lot of great things can happen through technology. Amen. Thank you so much, tech crew. I appreciate that so much. Just as God spoke light into the darkness, God is bringing the light of truth into people's hearts. Darkness dissipates. Doubts are dispelled. God's grace will be greater and his word will shed light on people that need answers for the questions that they have in their hearts. Doubt is nothing new to people that walk by faith. Amen. The Christian life calls you to situations that seem unbelievable, 
with our natural eyes, but they need to be looked at through eyes of faith that does not need to see the whole process. Amen. We are experiencing one of those times in our lives right now. My wife and I, we don't see the whole process, but I had a bed to sleep in last night. And I have a bed to sleep in tonight. Uh, I want to, I could tell you stories about people that, that may not have that. And uh, it, it's sad, but, but God knows them and God loves them. And we just continue to pray that God would do a great work through them. Doubt is a terrible thing. It can fill you with guilt. It can keep you from doing God's will. It can present a fearful expectation of of what remaining in God's will could look like. Let me say that again. It presents a fearful expectation of what remaining in God's will could look like. Like, Life isn't any easier because we're Christians, but we, we do have a hope we can set our minds to. Amen? We have a hope we can set our hearts upon, and that makes living for Jesus a whole lot better than the alternative. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about God's answer for doubters. God's answer for doubters. And our text will be John chapter 20, verse 27. Uh, You know, I could tell a whole lot more stories about the country of Turkey and what happened in the last five months. Uh, There were times where it was very stressful, and uh, thank God my wife stuck with me through the whole thing. You know, I told her at times, this is no reflection on her being the weaker vessel, but I can, we can only go at the pace of the weakest vessel in our, in our team. I think God made me a little bit more resilient. But I had to slow down. And, and I'm not a hard charger, right, Marta? I'm not a hard charger. I'm not that ambitious. But I like to get things done. I, I like to go with God's leading. Amen. And so, John 20, 27, then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Amen. Could we pray that God would bless his word? Lord, we thank you for your word today. It is forever settled in heaven. It is a a light into our, a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. You have magnified your, your word above all your name. So we thank you for your word today. God, let it lead, guide, and direct us. May it give us one of the answers we might have in our hearts. God, may it dispel the doubt that we may feel as we continue to follow you. Help us to be faithful, believing, not faithless. In Jesus' name, you can take your seats. Preaching or teaching the word of God is not merely the dissemination of information. It is in reality the demonstration of inspiration. It really is that. Genesis 1-3, the Bible says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now that's a complicated thing. We still don't even understand light. Many aspects of it. Complicated, mind-bending, difficult to understand. But the Bible says, let there be light. Let there be light was the dissemination of information. And there was light was the demonstration of inspiration. In our text this morning, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Jesus gave information to Thomas, but that information begat or begged or birthed a demonstration. In this case, Jesus desired the reality of belief, not a faithless result. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 says, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Many other words. And we preachers and teachers, and you Bible study teachers and Sunday school teachers, with many other words, we try to compel those that are listening to us just to follow Christ. Amen. Many other words. The spreading of information is the temporal part. And all these words the preacher uses to do one thing. They want to raise us from the temporal state of living to the eternal. Temporal to eternal. The same thing Jesus Christ attempted to do with Nicodemus when he brought the temporal level of conversation to the eternal. When he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless you're born in the water and spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You can't understand it. You can't enter it. Jesus always elevates us from the temporal 
to the eternal. And I urge you in conversation that you have with people that God puts in front of you, try to take the conversation from the temporal to the eternal. And you'll start ministering. We reach an eternal level of life when dissemination of information becomes a demonstration of inspiration, when the spirit becomes involved. Amen. You'll always feel better after a conversation that came to the eternal aspect of living. You would say, well, that was a God thing. Amen. Now, you can talk about the weather. You can talk about sports. You can talk about, talk about all the things that, that, that don't offend. But we always got to strive to get to the eternal level in our conversations with people. Information helps us, helps us with the hmm of the Christian life. But inspiration helps us with the hallelujah of the Christian life. Because the word of God is quick. This means it's, it's life-giving. Amen. The word of God is powerful. Powerful to inspire us. Powerful enough to change us. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, capable of dividing the sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. If you don't want to look at yourself in a spiritual reflection, just don't read the word. Sometimes I'm scared to read the word. I'm going to see myself as God sees me. But that's the power of the word. James talks about that. If you are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, there are times when you will doubt what God is doing as we walked across those narrow streets of Istanbul, careful to keep watching because the levels change so rapidly. It's kind of hard to build a city with wide level sidewalks when the city is centuries old. You just can't do it. My wife fell one time and uh, I wasn't with her at the time. I was in the apartment and uh, she got home and said, oh, I fell. I was like, oh, what? You know, what? Oh, you fell? Let me look, you know? So I looked at her knee, was all skinned up and I don't think he even could call me. That was one of my fears was, my wife's gonna fall, I won't be there. And, and she did, but, but she got home. She climbed all the way up those five, flight, five flights of stairs. Man, we got some powerful legs while we were there. We walked all over the place. <laughs> we rode the subway all over the place. We rode the buses all over the place. We walked and we rode. And they say that uh, Istanbul has a uh, uh, 7.9 out of 10 of stress. Well, I, that was 10 out of 10 at times. <laughs> it really was. So if you are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, there are times when you will doubt what God is doing and what you are to do for Christ. Amen. It's a natural human tendency to doubt. Now let's get into the meat of this. When Jesus asked Thomas to believe what he was seeing, he was really chastising Thomas for not believing what he did not see. Now it's getting close to Easter. He was chastising Thomas for not believing what he did not see. Doesn't seem fair. Thomas had walked with Jesus long enough to know how Jesus operated in this fallen world. And God will ask us to believe things that we cannot see. The word challenges us to avert our eyes from what we see and look to those things we cannot see, to rise up from the temporal to the eternal. That old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That is true. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God always wants us to look at the eternal things, though we may not understand them. We who ask the Lord's help in 2024 call out to a God we believe was risen from the dead and still exists today, though we have never seen Jesus Christ. None of you have ever seen Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe some of you have a vision. I don't know. I had a, my wife and I had a Kurdish uh, couple as friends back in 1994. And uh, by the way, thank you, Carla. My mother came to visit us. We had a wonderful time. Uh, we had a, oh, it was a terrible trip down the coast near uh, Alanya, Turkey, which I'm sure there's a Bible name for it. But all we had was a map in those days, no cell phone, and this teeny little black car. So my wife, Marta, and my mom, and Carla, and, and I, we 
got into this little car, and we drove down to the coast. I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew where I was going, and we went switchbacks all the way up the mountains on the southern coast, the Taurus Mountains of Turkey where Paul was born, and switchbacks oh, down the mountain up. And I think five hours we did that, all the way up, all the way down, had a couple scary situations. You know, what point I'm trying to make, I don't know. But it, it was a treacherous trip, really treacherous. And uh, wow, we, uh, we, we needed God's help at that time. Amen. Now, we believe in the resurrection, right? Amen. We believe in the resurrection. We've never seen Jesus Christ. But we would never think of asking a dead man for help. When we pray to Jesus, we're not praying to a dead man. <laughs> we're praying to a live Savior. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. We're not asking a dead person for help. Amen. Even the, even the Catholics believe the saints are dead, but, but they're saints. We're praying to Jesus, and we believe he's alive. With every fiber in our being, we believe that Jesus is alive, though we've never seen him. We believe this by faith. It's our inspiration from the information. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Unseen things are the evidence of our faith. The incredible things of God become credible in our walk and in our talk. I'm tired of saying God does incredible things. They're credible. They're believable. Amen? Uh, our Persian brother was credibly healed. The man we showed in the picture. He was credibly healed. He was able to witness to the Turkish doctors. We prayed, and they're gone. And I just knew somewhere in my being that God was going to do It's not because, and maybe God says, it was your faith of those who prayed that caused me to heal. I couldn't do it without your faith. But the doctors believed that there was a cyst, and now there's not. And if, the only, if that's the only miracle I could say I had a part in, I don't need anything else to keep believing. I really don't. Now faith is faith that says I don't have to see it to believe it. John chapter 11 tells us the story of Lazarus and how Jesus raised him from the dead. Got to have a Bible story in here. Lazarus was the friend of Jesus. I'm just paraphrasing John chapter 11. He became sick and Jesus was sent for by sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. Jesus waited around a couple of days to add a little drama to the story. And during that wait, Jesus dies. Jesus decides to go to Judea and the city of Bethany. But the disciples say, hey, the Jews want to stone you and you want to go back there? We need to bring light to these people. I'm going to wake up Lazarus. So he's sleeping. He's all right then. Lazarus is dead. You need to believe, so I waited until he died, so I'm glad. That's a paraphrase of John chapter 11. Verse 16 is interesting, and we have to see the side of Thomas. And this is really what this message comes, comes down to is this. Then said Thomas in verse 16 of John 11, which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples. Now listen to this. Let us also go that we may die with him. I, I never caught that before, but that, that taught me a message. Thomas was willing to go with Jesus, but he thought the end result would be the death of Jesus and the party because of the hatred toward them. But he was still willing to go. Jesus and his disciples arrive in Bethany. Mary and Martha greet Jesus. They converse with him concerning Lazarus. After that, Jesus instructs the men to roll away the stone, even though everybody is like his corpse is beginning to to decay because he died four days ago. I'm not sure when that activity happens in a corpse, but after four days, I'm sure there's some decay taking place. Lazarus, come forth. I'm not sure what Jesus did, how he held his fingers. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. I don't know how he did it. You know, the movies do it a certain way. Has anybody ever seen The Chosen? He's, he's got that going. I don't know how he held his hands. Maybe that's the secret. Maybe it was just the information. Lazarus, come forth. 
and the dead came forth. He that was dead came forth. That was a demonstration of inspiration. It's a credible story to build the faith. When I read that story, I feel faith. My God, my God can do anything. He can raise the dead. He can, he can take care of the little arthritis I feel in my pinky and in my other index finger. He can take care of that. He can raise the dead. He can do anything. And I thought about that one day. I thought, hold it, Jesus restored a withered hand at one point. Is that true? At one point, Jesus restored a withered hand. If God can do that, he can do anything. He really can. But what did Thomas say? Let us also go that we may die with him. This does not sound like the doubting Thomas we have come to know and exploit. Anybody hear of doubting Thomas? I think we've all heard of him. Sounds like a confident Thomas, a loyal Thomas, a fearless Thomas, an inspired Thomas, a Thomas that despite what he thought would happen was ready for whatever the future with Jesus would hold. But the world likes to label human weakness. The Bible never calls Thomas doubting Thomas. Generations of people only know him as doubting Thomas. I want to ask you a question. How would you like to be known by one instance of unbelief? Now, Thomas isn't offended that we call him Doubting Thomas. I'm not sure where he is right now. The Bible says the dead know nothing. He's not offended. But this still is a little, seems like a, a mis, a mis uh, communication of his character in my mind. Peter was told by the Lord he had little faith when he stepped out of the boat to walk toward Jesus, but he's not known as little faith Peter. He's the rock. When we talk about Peter, we we say how strong his faith was. Peter denied Jesus, but he's not called denying Peter. But Thomas received the label that stuck. Let's add a little spiritual gugon and dissolve this label of doubt we've placed on Thomas. Thomas, your failure is not final. Jesus has a lesson just for you. John chapter 20 opens in a, a completely different, different atmosphere. The resurrection of Jesus takes place. He appears to the disciples despite locked doors. He shows them his hands in his side. He breathes on them and says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. What an experience. Verse 24 says, and this is all planned out by God to teach him and us a valuable lesson. Verse 24 says, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Where was he? The Bible doesn't say he was not with them. Verse 25 says, we have seen the Lord. The disciples said, we have seen the Lord. You've seen the Lord. You've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I think there was a lot going on in the mind of Thomas the day of the resurrection. Sure, he expressed some doubt, but let's explore. The fact that he knew that this is my legal background now. Coming out, I was never a lawyer, but I was an elected municipal judge. Somebody said, how can you be a municipal judge without being a lawyer? I got elected, I don't know. They, they put the wrong guy behind the chair. I don't know. I wore a black robe. I was in doubt many of the times, but I had a big book. That was my guide. <laughs> the fact that he knew and maybe even saw Jesus die, the fact that he was not present with the others played a big part in his moment of doubt. Thomas began to doubt because Thomas missed out. Thomas was suffering from what I call missed out syndrome. I missed out. Characterized by the realization that you are not part of something all the others were a part of. The other disciples were visited physically by Jesus and he stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you. Before they could react with anything resembling doubt, verse 20 says, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands in his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Thomas missed out. Maybe that affected some of his doubt. 
Jesus removed all doubt before the disciples could utter a response. They had a visual experience that dispelled any doubt. There's a reason the Bible includes 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. As Jesus was already planning on teaching on this moment of doubt in next week's lesson. Because he had the faith of his disciples in mind concerning the reality of his resurrection. He wanted all of his disciples to believe that he was truly risen from the dead. Amen. And he wants us to believe that he was truly risen from the dead. Jesus helped the other disciples by showing them his hands and his side. They had the privilege of sight. But not Thomas. He wasn't there. He didn't see it. So he did what any person might do. He said in verse 25, except I shall see and put my finger and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. And so a week of unbelief passed in the mind of Thomas. Maybe that doubt moved into pride. I, I don't believe. But Thomas, listen, man, Jesus showed himself to us. He's alive. I'm not going to believe. I don't believe. Days of doubting past. God is not asking you to believe everything about anything. He wants us to believe what he said would happen. He wants us to believe him in spite of the circumstances. Now, let's be clear. Doubt is sin. But so many of us who name the name of Christ are sometimes controlled by doubt. Our minds are plagued by it. It affects the way we serve Jesus today and tomorrow. And so doubt is nothing new in the drama of the biblical narrative. Peter's faith flagged in the midst of the storm. Jesus was there with a physical boost and a verbal recognition of his lack of faith. I think it's okay for God to point out our weaknesses because in our lessons we learn the weakness must be identified, not overlooked. We learn and we grow. You know, when somebody makes a mistake, in my eyes, and they admit that mistake, they grow in my sight. It, it's, it's no big deal in admitting a mistake. It's, anybody remember Happy Days? Arthur Fonzarelli, remember that? Remember that? There's a story behind that. But one of the episodes, Arthur Fonzarelli was wrong, and I think Richie wanted him to admit he was wrong. Come on, Fonzie, say it. You were wrong. And he was trying to say, I was wrong. And he would say, remember that one? I was... <laughs> I was... <laughs> I think finally he said it. I'm really not sure, but it just, it just affected me. It's really easy to say, I was wrong. I was wrong. So it's okay for us, for God to point out our weakness. We grow. And Jesus is there to support us. The Bereans questioned everything. They checked out the teachings with the holy scriptures. They searched the scriptures daily. And so we see that questioning motivates us to search further and deeper in our quest for the truth. Now, there's a fine line between questioning and criticism. We don't need to criticize. There's things that are happening that we know not of. Got to trust the process. Amen. But we can question in the right manner. I want to place my finger in the nail prints. I want to put my hand in the side of the one I saw crucified. If I can't see, I won't believe over and over these words of disbelief and doubt would dog him all week. But God had a lesson planned a week later. I believe God wants us to ruminate over his teachings, mixing them with the faith, sometimes the doubt that is inevitably part of our nature. Doubting God or his word is the number one destroyer of faith and causes Christians to fall away. It's not that Thomas would refuse to look at the nail prints. He just wouldn't believe unless he saw the nail prints. Because a person has doubts does not make them a wicked person. Okay? Some of us doubt because we cannot see God working in our lives some of us doubt because we cannot place faith in the people God puts in our lives to teach us. In other words, we have lost faith in humanity. Maybe that's happened with some of you. But we need to allow people to make mistakes and not refuse to put out our hand to save the drowning Peters and the doubting Thomases that God has all around us. Amen. The same hand that reached out to Peter as he was sinking was about to reach out to Thomas and show him the scars in his hands. When we experience doubt in our lives, it indicates a real need to feed the soul with faith-building exercises and disciplines. One discipline is just simply rising to pray and reading his word. 
Uh, sometimes I like to get started. I recently made a recommitment to my wife. This is what we're going to do every morning. We decided together. And this is what we're going to do in the evening. Just you and me together. We're going to get some Bible reading in, some prayer. And then with all the other stuff we need to do in life. One exercise, one discipline is just being in church. Maybe some of you in church today and you just kind of feel, eh, I don't know about this. You know, this or this, I don't, I don't know. When your faith is failing, at least come to church. Just get to church. And here's a key point that I realized with Thomas. Being with the other disciples when Jesus showed up on that first day would have saved Thomas a week's worth of pain and suffering had he just been there. But here's a good thing Thomas did. He never left the group. Nobody is so strong that they never have doubts of any kind. The word dispels doubt just as light displaces the darkness. The one thing Thomas did right was to stay with the group even in his doubt and disbelief. He stayed with the group. Amen? Because God had a, a lesson for him. Keep coming to church. You won't be perfect for a while being here, and you certainly won't be perfect staying away from here. Now, I had a good time yesterday. I was able to go out into the, into the yard. I took a rake. I raked up. You know, there was a big storm here, I guess, in early January. A lot of snow, a lot of branches broke. And uh, we're, we're staying with a, a couple. And uh, a lot of branches on the ground. I began to rake them up. And I started to smell the soil. Oh, man, this is a whole lot different than Istanbul. Wow, what a difference to, to actually make tracks and get mud on my shoes and get blisters on my thumbs from raking. Got a couple blisters there, badges of honor. <laughs> but when you come to church, bring your doubts. Jesus is not, what should I say? Uh, word that begins with I. Uh, intimidated. Jesus isn't intimidated of your doubt. He's okay. Bring your fears. Bring the informative word into your life and watch the demonstration of the Spirit build your faith. It's a, it's a complicated process, but it works. It really does. I want to close with the return of Jesus on the eighth day, and I think this is the most important part. John chapter 20, verse 26. And after eight days, again, with his, again his disciples were within... Oh. Let me stop right there. Are there any preachers in the audience? Brother Calhoun, you got some more? When you read scriptures off the screen, read them exactly as they're there. Don't make the mistake preachers doing skip over things and omit words. Just read it like it is. People out there will, he read it wrong. Can't he read it right? Preachers think they're so powerful they can change the word of God. Just read it. And, at, and this is very, very important. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. This is, I'm coming into the locked doors, take two. And before anyone could react, Then saith he to Thomas, before anybody could say anything, before the disciple, hey, told you, Thomas, eh, we told you, Jesus is alive, before any of that could happen. Then saith he to Thomas, I think it's the next verse, 27 maybe, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. You see, God knows. He knows what we've been struggling with. He's got his finger on it. He's got his hand on it. He's got his mind on it. And behold, my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. This is God's answer for doubters. Be not faithless, but believing. Verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Yeah, I know you've been doubting me for the last eight days, Thomas. I know I held off for eight days, but I just wanted to wait till you're with the disciples. I just wanted to teach you all a lesson that it's not the fact that you see me. It's the fact that the possibility that you're gonna have to believe some things that you don't see in life. Verse 29, Jesus saith unto him, 
Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Let's stand this morning. God's answer for doubters is be not faithless, but believing. When you put belief into the equation, doubt has to go to the, to the side. Belief. I don't have to see to believe. There are some things that, that the preacher's gonna say, some things I read in the word that are gonna cause some doubt to come to my mind. How, how's that gonna play out, Lord? How, how's that gonna happen? Just believe. You don't have to see it. Just believe it. Every one of us in this room today have never seen Jesus Christ in the flesh. But you believe. You believe, right? I hope you do. Because it's true. Amen. Jesus is coming back someday. How's that going to happen? I hope he comes back in the next 15 minutes, to be honest with you. Then I wouldn't have to deal with any doubt that I might have about how this is all going to play out. God might say, you know, I could do that. I could rescue you. Everything would be great. You'd be with me. But there are some more people that I have yet to appear before. There are some more conversations I, I need to raise from the temporal to the eternal. There are some more Nicodemuses. There are some more Thomases that are going to make, they're going to make great statements of faith in John chapter 11. Let's go with Jesus. We'll die with him. To all of a sudden, I won't believe unless I see it. There's, there's some Peters that, that are still in the boat that are going to see Jesus. Hey, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. Come on, Peter. Jump out, walk on the water, start sinking. There's some people that still have to make some mistakes that I have some lessons to teach because, because in, in the weakness of our humanity, God says, I, I got you. I know what being human's like. I know what you deal with, but I want to show you. I want to demonstrate some inspiration. Now, when I get the word involved in your life, we're going to raise that temporal level to the eternal, and I'm going to be glorified despite all of your doubt and unbelief. I'm just asking you to believe me without seeing. And so God's answer for doubters are, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Amen in Jesus' name. Pastor Calhoun, could you, could you come? I'm, I'm pretty much done. God bless you. Amen. Let's take this offering. And I want help with that. If you could help me, ushers, to bring the offering plates forward. Sarah and I want to give the first $100. And I can't make you give. But when we have people that come back from another country and they're looking for work, they're looking for a place to settle in, and they need help from the church, I think we should be ones that give. And I know some of you give to nonprofit organizations directly. But today we're going to give through the church. There's nothing in the Bible that condone... Um, that, that's against giving to other nonprofits just directly as you write a check to them. That's fine. That's your prerogative to do. But today, we're going to bless these people. And, and I would love it to be an offering where there's a couple thousand dollars to give to them. But I'm going to pray over this offering, and as you come, Jesus, I pray someone writes a check today for a thousand dollars. I pray someone blesses these people who put their life on the line to be in Turkey to reach souls. I pray, no, we can't go, but they did. And so we're going to bless them today, Jesus. And some of us may not have it to give, but I believe if we'll give sacrificially today, God will make a way. And I believe that in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you what sacrifice does. Yesterday evening, I was sitting in my car just loving what God had done. We had been in Kenosha and did a marriage retreat for another church. And I was dealing with some pretty heavy fatigue. And I drove to the post office. We have a post office box for this church. And I said, Lord, I'm tired. Obviously, we've been doing some really long days 
And I said, Lord, I'm tired. I'm so thankful that you brought Brother Gannon to preach today because I am wore out and I'm leaving here to go preach for them at four o'clock for a service there. I said, Lord, I'm just tired. I need you to bless the church financially. We had, I was talking with my pastor, Pastor Hanthorn. He said they had one of the weakest giving months in January. This is a very large church in Mequon. And he said he had one of the weakest giving months. I said, we did too. It's one of the worst months in January we've had as a church. And I don't mind dipping into our savings to pay our bills to bless a man of God. I can tell you that right now. This is a miracle that needs to happen in this offering. But I was sitting in the parking lot. I said, Lord, I'm tired. You know what January looked like for us financially. And Sarah and I both work full time, so it's not, we're not draining the church. I'm telling you, I wanted a blessing from God to know that he's anointing this church and helping this church. I walked in and opened that post office box, and there was a check for $5,000. That was the only thing in that post office box. And a 1,000 of that 5,000 is going to go to this family right here today because, because God knows how to take care of his own. And if we don't get moved in the heart to take care of God's people, then shame on us. We need to take care of the men and women of God. Amen? God's going to help them in this offering. Would you pray over them? Would you just extend your hand to them right now? God, I pray for Marta's body. I pray for John. I pray for these lovely people. They have given their all, Jesus. They walk with you. They talk it. They live it. They are people of renown in the kingdom. You know them, Jesus. Angels have rejoiced over the work of their hands in partnering with you in Turkey. God, and I thank you for them. And today we bless them in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Would you greet them on your way out? Tell them you're praying for them. Maybe even fast for them some. God bless you as you go this week. We love you. Give sacrificially. If you can't give today and you want to give, let me know the amount and I will put it in and give it to them and you give it back to the church. But make sure you give it. You're on the hook with Jesus. Amen. God bless you.